All right. So today's scripture reading is from Philippians 2, 1 through 5 in the CSB translation. If you have a Bible or a device, I'd encourage you to turn there. While you're getting there, my name is Mary Hilding, and I am a covenant member here at Crosspoint. I've been coming here since October of 2021. Um, I am part of the worship team, and then I also serve Sunday nights in the hype ministry. Um, let's hear God's word. Um, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, I'm Stephen. I'm one of the elders here. And a couple of things. I have the privilege of introducing Jonathan Ames and his family, but also in kind of conjunction with, we're going to be talking about mission today and our partnership with them. Uh, special announcement, there's a perspectives class that's going to be offered in Goodfield this next semester. So if you're not familiar with perspectives, uh, it's a 15-week course once one day a week, one evening a week for two, three hours. And basically, it's teaching um, from, the, from the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, the first five or so lessons. Um, you've heard that preached a number of times here, but just God's global story uh, of what he's doing and then sort of history of what's happened since the Bible to present and some strategy. And it's taught, it's called Perspectives because every week is taught by a different instructor. Um, so you get to hear from a lot of different people with a lot of different experiences. And uh, Lauren and I have both taken it. I think we would both say, outside of salvation and God's word, this has probably been the most formative, transformational thing in our life and our walk with the Lord and just how we live and what decisions we make. And, and, and yeah, really influential in our life. I know Freitingers have taken it as well, um, probably some others. So if you have questions, want more details, you can talk to any of us about it. Um, it's cool that it's being offered so close. It's just right here in Goodfield. If you're a student, college, high school, whatever, you can actually take this for credit. Um, so you can get college credit. It's a accredited course, um, and it'll be really, really good for anybody, no matter where you're at in your walk with the Lord. And certainly not going to try to make you a missionary. It's just knowing what's going on kind of in the world um, and, and how you play into God's global plan, his kingdom, the church. If you have questions about any of that, I think this would really help you to kind of see that all coming together. So with that... I want to introduce Jonathan Ames. Uh, his whole family's here today. We're going to have a lunch with them after church. So if you have time, please stick around for that. But yeah, Jonathan and Devin and their family, um, they're in Papua New Guinea with our partnership there. I know there's a lot of new people and a lot of turnover often at Crosspoint. So just want to give a little bit of a reminder of kind of how we came to partner with them. Um, the GO team, which is our mission team, mission outreach, um, was looking to adopt a people group. So an unreached people group somewhere in the world reached out to a mission organization, in this case, Ethnos 360, and said, hey, this is what we want to do. How do we do it? And they said, well, we have a number of teams getting ready to launch. Um, we want to put you in touch with them, and, and let's see where it goes. And so we talked to a couple of families, the LeBlancs um, and Devolves, and they've been here over the last couple of years. If you've been here for a while, you've probably got to hear from them. As they built out their team, they were looking for a third unit, and the Ames had been through some of the training with them, um, had through circumstances, maybe they'll talk about, maybe they won't, but anyways, became part of that team. And so we've actually adopted the people group, the Kuyu, 
And these three families are all ministering together to the Kuyu with a vision of learning their language, translating or creating a written language where they don't have one, translating the scriptures ultimately, teaching them chronologically, kind of like what our small groups are actually doing this semester, Genesis to Revelation, um, God's, God's story, and hopefully a church will be born. So we continue to pray and to partner with them financially and really privileged to have you guys here today. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, really great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, while we were in Kuyu a couple times, we uh, videoed in on you guys uh, a couple messages. I think you were doing a, a kind of a, a missions emphasis or church planning emphasis month. So we've got to see you guys a little bit online. And then I think we sent a couple videos to you guys. So you've seen us online, a little, some real short sermonettes. And, um, but cool to actually be with you guys this morning. Uh, really is a privilege. You guys have really embraced our team. And we feel it um, relationally, prayerfully, financially. So uh, really cool to kind of be in this together with you guys uh, this morning. So, um, yeah, we don't want to make this about us. <laughs> it's not about us. Uh, you guys aren't in this because you necessarily love us and you're just all excited about the Kuyu team. You guys are in this for Revelation 7, 9 purposes, as are we, just to one day see, by God's grace, representatives from every tribe, tongue, and nation uh, worshiping at the throne of Christ. So... Uh, really cool to be just partnered in that way. Uh, but we do want to inter introduce ourselves a little bit. As we get to know you guys, you can get to know us a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give just a real quick two, three, four minute kind of our story, if, if possible, to just get it concise like that. Um, you can go ahead and go with the first slide. This is an oldie but goodie. Um, I, I grew up, my parents were missionaries with uh, Ethnos 360, and I'm the little guy on the, the bottom there. Uh, they worked with the Munjak people group in Senegal, West Africa, Grew up there it, with the Manjak for about four years, and then my parents did a whole bunch of other support roles, dorm parenting, leadership, supply buying, and such. And so my sisters, they're actually all with Ethnos 360, um, and now I am too. So actually our whole family has been. Uh, Sharon and Steve were with the Hoti people group in Venezuela. Uh, Gary and Esther were with the Denangit people and PNG, and then Greg and Hannah have been kind of doing support roles, dorm parenting, supply buying. Uh, in Venezuela first, and then here, and now they're over in, in Papua New Guinea as well. So kind of fun to be a part of um, that team as well. Uh, yeah, so yeah, next slide, Senegal, if you don't know where that is, it's there on the west. Next slide, west coast of Africa. There's my buddies. So I grew up, that's uh, Lasanimo, Pafirio, Monde, Yaya, Babakari. Those are my buds. Didn't really have any other missionary kids to play with, so they were my, my social network. So much so that I was kind of becoming a little bit too much man-jacked than my maybe my parents were comfortable with, and so they gently, wisely, we kind of phased into a ministry that they were being asked to, to do, which was actually dorm parenting at the time. Um, so they never did the full uh, process with the, the Manjak people group. Unfortunately, they weren't able to play that role, um, but they played a whole lot of other support roles, which just just a shout out for that. Like even in Papua New Guinea, there's about about 50% of the missionaries there are, are actively working to do church planning activities. And then the other 50% of the missionaries are teachers and nurses and doctors and finance guys and pilots and mechanics and who are also full-time missionaries serving in support roles. So we quite literally could not be in Kuyu if it weren't for pilots and mechanics. And if, if it wasn't for the helicopter, it'd be about a 12-hour hike just to get in there. And that's without hardly carrying anything. So we're just very dependent on, well, the body of Christ. Surprise, surprise. There's a certain inter interdependence there that God's kind of hardwired into the system, which is uh, cool to see. So let's, I just always want to celebrate. There's, there's, there, sometimes the jobs aren't as glorious. Uh, we'll get in a minute. I was, uh, well, keep, we'll stand on track here. Next slide. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got married. So uh, just to introduce my family real quick, Devin, 
Uh, really wanted to be up here, but I told her, no, you gotta, uh, <laughs> just kidding, she doesn't like being up here too much. Um, Isaac, Jackson, Leah, Carter, and Selah are all here. Isaac's 15 in 10th grade, Jackson and Leah are twins, they're in ninth grade, Carter's in sixth, and Selah's in, in third grade. So Selah's about kind of the same age-ish of Gideon. She's a little older, a little older, okay. <laughs> um, so, yep, it's been a transition for them all along the way, and it's definitely one of those types lines of work where it's a, kind of a family affair, and it's a, actually a very a, a good plus of that kind of work, but there's also transitions that kind of they've had to face all along the way, and by God's grace, they're, they're doing well. So, um, got married in 2006. Next slide, joined the Marine Corps, a uh, couple tour, tour in Iraq, Afghanistan, realized that wasn't going to be a, a full-time career for us, so got out of the Marines, took a job in Texas. Uh, and a company called Carpenter Company, it's like manufactures polyurethane foam, fiber, um, comfort cushioning products, carpet pad, all the exciting stuff you never think about. So um, worked there, it was kind of, a, kind of a bright futures type situation. They really needed some guys to kind of learn quickly and, and they needed a plant manager up in Pennsylvania, so they moved us up there. And uh, we were planning to be there for a long time, forever, if you will. Um, again, a lot of work, it was, Okay with the work, but then just kind of, I think God was already stirring that pot for a few years on uh, just having grown up in it, very aware of unreached people groups, of lack of access, of the need for literacy, teaching, discipleship um, around the world. Still, you know, 2,000 people groups yet are still without um, easy, good access to, to the truth of God's word. So God was using that to kind of stir that pot a little bit and used a mobilization thing called Wayumi for us. Our, our church there in Pennsylvania was having a missions month, and God was just kind of bringing back to the forefront of our minds um, how we can maybe be a part of that. So I think it would have, we would have been in God's will, too, actually to stay at Carpenter and continue in that role. There's definitely a need for um, uh, witness within the, the workplace, the corporate world, absolutely. Um, but we felt like God was leading us to, to this. So we left. Uh, next slide. Next slide. To 2015, we went as a family to... Um, new tribes, and now it's called Ethnos 360 Bible Institute in Wisconsin, and that was the first two years of training. Really needed it, even if we wouldn't, I tell people, even if we hadn't continued in missions, just that, that two years of just studying God's word and just allowing that kind of grassroots transformation process to happen in our hearts and minds still is a real privilege. So that was uh, great to be a part of that. Uh, that's the last slide, but um, went to the training center there in Missouri after that. That's where we met LeBlancs. We were in the same class with them for two years. And DeVals were one year ahead of us. And uh, when we went to Papua New Guinea in 2020, uh, we weren't looking to partner with LeBlancs and DeVals because they were waiting for a third unit to come along behind. Um, and we were kind of feeling the need to allocate quickly and saw our kids just, you know, they're doing this. They were like, let's um, stay on task, if you will. And so some good motivations, but then we kind of learned later that sometimes that uh, strong desire to really stay on task or keep with the timeline sometimes took, um, sometimes I think in my, my own heart anyway, a little more priority than the relationship of the coworker that I'm with. And, and that's, that was something we had to put before God because we were headed to the coastal Mangan people group in the eastern region of Papua New Guinea with two other families. We had actually cut the grass for our houses. There was a signed land agreement. Everything was go until it wasn't. Two days later, where on that end, there was a, there was kind of a, the local level government kind of put a stop to things. And, and then on our team end, um, one family felt God was leading them to step off the team. So it just kind of brought everything to a, a, a grinding halt, took the wind out of our sails, and definitely the, 
kind of the hardest thing for us that we've experienced over there. And, and there were some certain heart issues that God was working on in us, and it's always the hard times that you, you grow the most, unfortunately, right? Or fortunately. You're supposed to take joy in trials. I don't, it's hard to do. <laughs> um, and yet it is cool to see God transform all of us from the inside out through those hard times, too. So anyway, that put us like, uh, what now, Lord? And at that point, LeBlancs and Navals realized, hey, we don't have that third family coming anymore. Unfortunately, uh, the wife of the other family got really sick, and they weren't able to go to Papua New Guinea. So um, we already knew LeBlancs and Navals and uh, everything. We, you guys helped fly us over there to kind of meet with them and uh, have some team talks. And it was like, all right, green light, green light, green light, let's go. And everything moved forward very quickly, not without lots of bumps along the way as far as logistics and all that, but um, we allocated to the Kui People Group last December of 2020. Uh, prior to that, um, land agreement and just lots and lots of logistics. Again, a very remote location, so pretty much everything has to be flown in um, with a helicopter. And we'll show a video here in a little bit, just kind of maybe captures our last three and a half years, sort of uh, moves quickly. Try to, try to keep up with it if you can. Um, since we allocated December of 2022, or yeah, 2022, uh, things have settled down. Uh, we're not nearly as exciting as we were there, which is awesome. Uh, we get to, we're, we're learning the, the culture and language of the Kuyu people um, so that we can best minister within that context, so that we can actually maybe answer questions that are being asked instead of just kind of um, going straight into teacher mode. So we've actually told them that you guys are the teachers right now, we're the students, and we're here to learn your culture and language and within the context of healthy relationships um, down the road. So by God's grace, we'll finish that. Uh, yeah, finish reducing their language to uh, a usable, clear alphabet for them. Teach them to read and write their own language, not just because it's cool to read and write, but so that they can read God's word as we translate God's word into their language and then allow that to be kind of the basis, well, not kind of, very much the basis for any teaching that we do. So that as we're up there, hey, helping, you know, from creation to Christ or eternity past or eternity future, talking, you know, God's grand meta-narrative, his rescue plan for the nations, as they begin to see that, they can actually look at God's word and, and be a good Berean and, you know, see that what we're teaching is actually from the authority of God's word and not just the mouth of some, some dude from over here. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's the plan. About seven months into, I'd say, at least a 15-year uh, commitment there. Uh, all three of our families are back in the States. You guys are going to see DeValves and LeBlancs here at some point, I think, in the coming months. Um, we're the, the one family that hasn't been here, so it's cool to see you guys for the first time. So you can go ahead and um, cue video. I think after this, there's a bit of a Q&A time over lunch, after lunch something. Um, so maybe if a picture or a little video sparks a question, just make a mental note and happy to, no questions or off limits, to help chat about that any All right, so that's that. Uh, let's look at God's word a little bit this morning. Uh, there's something that God's been teaching me personally uh, for a while now. We don't have a whole lot of time, but um, uh, let's, uh, one of the calls to worship this morning was in uh, Philippians. And maybe a year into, two years into being over there, kind of with our first team, I was um, reading through Philippians 2, or someone had pointed out to me, and it's, it's nothing new, nothing, you're not going to hear anything new this morning, praise God. Um, that reading through just this, uh, let me just read it a little bit. It says, if then there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by, and, and at this time it's like, what is going to come after this 
fairly significant statement that Paul makes. He says, make my joy complete, or another translation says, make me truly happy by doing such and such. So just uh, picture in your mind, if you will, just a significant person in your life, someone you respect, uh, would listen to, want to hear what they have to say, and, um, and if they were to say something like, you know, Jonathan, the most important thing of all is to such and such, or I plead with you, or I, I urge you to do this, or here's the primary way to imitate God. That, that would get our antenna up a little bit, right? Like, oh, okay, I respect this person. I want to hear this kind of mic drop statement that they're going to make about what's really, really heavy on their heart and important for me to hear. Another one would be, and these are scriptural, all that you do should be done with this in mind. It's like, wow, okay, that's really concise. All that I do should be done with this in mind. And we see the first one here in Philippians 2 where, you know, just, just ask yourself, what would, what would you say? Say you're that person of significance in somebody else's life. What would you communicate to them if, if you were going to say something like, I urge you or I plead with you to such and such? What would that be? Or what even, twist it just a little bit further, what do you think Paul should say here? What, what do you think... <laughs> should be the, something very significant and heavy on Paul's heart to communicate to the Philippian church. And I think for me even, maybe I'm not, good thing I didn't write the Bible, right? I probably would have put something else there. I might have been like, okay, here's, what are, what are some of the, the heavy, mature things that the church ought to be about and, you know, missions, right? So make my joy complete by making disciples of all nations or translating God's word into every language or, um, you know, to debate truth and apologetically defend the faith, right? These are all very good things, biblical things. Uh, even uh, be a stellar parent, be a stellar spouse, uh, be a good Berean, search the scriptures. That's, that's, that's what's going to make Paul truly happy or make his joy complete. Um, ensure your theology is spelled out, pinned down perfectly with regard to all the ologies, the eschatologies, and pneumatology, and soteriology, you know, that's, that's really what's heavy on Paul's heart. That's what would make his joy complete. Uh, spiritual disciplines, sacrificing for the gospel, that must, that must be it, right? Or uh, giving lots of money to ministry, serving, volunteering, being generous with our resources. What, what is, what's heavy on Paul's heart? And it's a little, uh, again, not what I would expect to come after this. And, and we, see, we see with Paul, I'll finish reading this in a minute, we see Paul making lots of statements like this. By lots, I mean five or six throughout his epistles. We see Peter making similar statements. We see John and we see Jesus. So I just want to look at these four significant persons. I would say Peter, John, Paul, and Jesus will qualify as significant persons in the New Testament who have these kind of emphatic statements to share with their audience. So in this case, Paul finishes out. He says, make my joy complete by thinking the same way. Uh, having the same love, united in spirit, intent in, on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. This is what's really important to Paul. Everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interests of others. Um, again, not what I probably would have put there. And it's a little bit, well, it's, it's humbling. And it's something I'm, if you walk out of here half as convicted as I am about this kind of things, then, then we've, we've had a successful morning here. Um, but these kind of things are, are, I think, very worth giving the emphasis that is due. Uh, kind of letting hi Scripture highlight itself a little bit. So 
We'll start with Peter. Um, he has the least to say, but only because he has just a couple of epistles. But uh, just going straight to perhaps one of his most emphatic statements is in 1 Peter 4. At the end here, we're gonna, just going to throw up all these scripture references. So if you want to try to keep up with them, that's great. If you just want to kind of maybe take a picture at the end and study it out, be a good Berean, study it out on your own, and just see, is this really something that, um, if it's important to them, should it also be maybe our, our main thing? Not that the other things are wrong, not, not teaching one truth at the expense of others, but just if it's not infused with these things, then something's perhaps off. Worth scrutinizing in our own lives if it's not. So the context of 1 Peter 4, 7 to 8 is the context of godly living, righteous judgment, even end times type stuff. It starts with, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And then here's Paul. Here's his, his big one. Above all things... Or another trans NLT says, most important of all. Again, a, a person of significance saying to you, most important of all, wouldn't you want to hear what that, that statement is? And for him, it's love each other deeply. <laughs> or NKJV says, have a fervent love for one another. I like that word, <laughs> fervent, because love covers over a multitude of sins. And in chapter 1, he had already said, love one another fervently or deeply with a pure heart. Chapter 3, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. This, this theme, starting here with Peter, this humble, unified, selfless love seems to be recurring throughout Scripture, quite repetitive. And, you know, if you're any, a, a parent or teacher or anything, the reason, so one reason for repetition is because we're forgetful, right? We need review. We need repetition. Another reason for repetition is it kind of implies that there's a problem, <laughs> Right? Like, don't forget your lunchbox. Don't forget your lunchbox. Well, probably the person's forgetting their lunchbox, so that's why there's a needed reminder there. So we can kind of just take, based on the, right, we're not going to be able to get through all this this morning, but just all the evidence throughout Scripture of this emphasis on, hey, this, this might be important. How many times have they emphasized these, these same truths, kind of in different ways, that the theme of unity, theme of humility, the theme of selflessness, and, of course, kind of the overarching theme of love, is really, really clear if we're looking for clear things in, in Scripture that we can stand on top of and jump up and down on. Uh, Paul, okay, we already looked at Philippians. Uh, let's, let's rewind back to Romans 13. Here is the context of uh, paying taxes. Basically, uh, if you owe something, pay it. Don't, don't allow for there to be debt. Uh, it says, pay your obligations to everyone. This is verse 6 or 7. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those you owe taxes. Tolls to those you, those you owe tolls. Respect to those you respect and honor to those you honor. Do not owe anything except there's one divinely approved debt to con continue to have toward each other. And that's two. Don't, do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. All right? That's, that's a divinely approved. This is actually okay to have this continuing debt to love others as Christ has loved us. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. That's actually pretty Important statement there, too. Fulfilled the law, really? That one act of loving others is actually fulfilling the, the grandness of God's law. Romans 13, 9, it says, The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Any other commandment are summed up by this commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? We know this. We, we, we've heard all throughout Scripture, you know, from Sunday school age up, you know, loving each other is, is important. It's important to God. Uh, he first loved us. It's not that we loved him, but that he first loved us. The only thing I'd like to maybe do this morning a little different is just maybe sometimes I think we tend to relegate that to, okay, I learned that in Sunday school when I was a kid, 
now I'm going to move on to the more mature things of the faith, which are to, you know, maybe what I listed before, make disciples of all nations. A good thing, right? I'm dedicating my life in it. We're partnered in this together. So obviously believe in that. It's a biblical thing. But is that, that not infused in love, as, as 1 Corinthians 13 says here in a minute, is a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal? <laughs> the first of all, being infused, bathed, saturated in love is any of these good acts that um, these good commands that we see uh, listed here in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 1.10, now I plead with you, right? There you go. We should be listening. I plead with you. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. Or I urge you, or I appeal to you, or I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. This whole thing of unity, pretty important to Paul. How, we, how God's kids play together is really important to, to God. And, and I, I can relate to that as a human father as well. Um, perhaps one of the things that brings me the most joy is when my kids are playing well together or sharing or considering each other's interests as a human father, a, a broken human father who, conversely, when I see my kids fighting or not considering each other's interests, it's just that kind of heaviness. You know, it's like, ah, you know, selfishness against selfishness. There's, there's really no win here. There's no right or no one's, no one's really... They're both in the right, they're both in the wrong on whatever the thing is, and it's kind of a heaviness. So I think there are some maybe divinely appoint-inspired parallels between this human life and marriage and in family where we get to see a little bit of glimpse of God's character and God's heart. If it's grieving me as a human sinful father, which, by the way, the reason my kids are doing that is because they got it from me. <laughs> thanks, thanks to me, they, they have those things in their hearts. Um, if, if I'm feeling that way, then how is our Heavenly Father feeling um, as we as a church are potentially making other things more important than the first things, which is to consider each other's interests and to love each other well. Again, not saying the other things are bad. They're very biblical, but must first be infused with love. First Corinthians 13, we'll just go there, right? Uh, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, man, I would love to speak. That's actually a big deal for me right now. I'd love to be able to speak well the Kuyu language, the tongues of men. I don't even know what the tongues of angels are, but Man, if I could speak Kuyu well, communicate the way they communicate, that kind of just flawless, like deep truth, you know, convincing people, hortatory type speeches, that would be so awesome. That's very appealing to me. But even if I or our team like learns Kuyu to the ultimate proficient even level, beyond capable, like into proficient, without love, it's just, it's just this like, where's my pen? Yeah, it's just, it's like a resounding gong. You know, who cares? It's like, but without, without being infused with love, it's just this, this, this white noise that's not bringing glory to our Heavenly Father. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, again, very good. It's a, it's a great thing. But when it's not infused with love, it's a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. Uh, if I can have faith that move mountains, wow. But do not have love. Again, it's just that. Resounding gong, clanging cymbal. Um, you think of, I, I wonder if sometimes an unbeliever interacts with the church, and I'm not talking about a building. I'm just talking about two or more believers who are together, interacting together. Are they, are they coming in and hearing a whole lot of this as the two believers are interacting together to where they just want to kind of turn around and, and go back out? Or is, there, is that perhaps are those two individuals or more Known that, know that, do people know that they're Christ's disciples because of their love for one another? 
And then again, as far as emphasis, I don't, I don't, I don't want to emphasize one thing over another, but I do want us to recognize where scripture is emphasizing one thing over another. And it's pretty clear here at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, it says, now these three remain faith. Great. Good stuff, right? Hope, good stuff and love. But the greatest of these is love. And 16.13 says, let all that you do be done with love. For Ephesians 4, moving along kind of quick here. Uh, Therefore I, a prisoner, for serving the Lord, beg you. Another version says, urge you, beseech you, implore you, implore you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one, or no, one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's, we can count them. There's one body. One spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Seven ones. Do you think that this thing of unity, one-mindedness within the, the body of Christ is important to Paul as he talks here to the Ephesian church? Ephesians 5.1. Hey, again, a significant person telling you this is how what it looks like to imitate God. <laughs> Again, that's a strong statement. This is what it looks like to imitate God. And the very first thing on the list there, follow God's example, or therefore be imitators of God, two different versions, as dear children, and what? And walk in love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The number one to-do thing, if you will, um, and imitating God is, is love, how we're treating each other. It's, pretty, it's just so important to God how his kids play together. Philippians 2, we've already talked about that. Colossians, again, just goes talking about putting on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, all these kind of fruit of the spirit type things, right? We see in Galatians 5, all very good things. But then he has this statement, but above all these things... Put on love or clothe yourselves with love, which is the perfect bond of peace. First Thessalonians 4, talking to the Thessalonian church now, we actually see it's kind of an attaboy moment. Hey, Thessalonian church, you guys are actually loving each other well. It says, now about your love for one another, we don't need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. You're kind of known for doing this well. And even in a context of doing it well or success, what's, what's Paul's next words? Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Even in a context of success, it's still, that's still the main thing to him. In other words, you don't move past that. And I think in my own heart and mind, it's kind of like sometimes I tend to move past some of these I would call maybe elementary principles, and now I'm going to go do the big things, the mature things, things that adults do. I'm going to go focus on those things. I'm going to dig into, First Timothy talks about different fables and genealogies and all these different things, and it's not, I don't think, wrong. But if it's not first infused with these most important things, then it is. It's still that, it's that resounding gong, that clanging cymbal. We get to John. He has a lot to say. He keeps talking about this commandment that he has. And it's a little bit ambiguous what this command is. So you keep reading and reading. And ultimately, it goes down to, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, right? Believe the gospel and love one another as he gave us commandment. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then 2 John, it's just kind of one chapter, verse 5 and 6. I am writing to remind you, dear friends, or New King James says, now I plead with you or I beseech thee. Again, kind of just allowing these maybe emphatic, like I am highlighting this and I want you to know that I'm highlighting it. This is important to me and I want you to hear it. 
what comes after those kind of statements in God's word. And it's not all just these. There's other emphatic statements as you study it out that are followed with other also important things. But so often, the, what comes after that, that dot, 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 is filled with this whole theme of humble, uh, unified, selfless love. I am writing, I plead with you or beseech thee that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us, and he has commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. <laughs> kind of hear the same thing, a whole bunch of different ways of saying it, but the same thing, this whole theme of, of loving each other well. All right, so Jesus, right, the star of the show, the hero, the, the rescuer that God has sent, the second person of the Trinity, what does he have to say about these kind of things? We see perhaps his heart most clearly in some of the upper room discourse in John 15, even starting back in 13 a little bit, and seeing as he's talking to the believers, you know, Judas Iscariot's kind of already exited the scene, and he's talking to them, and he's getting, he's talking about, man, I am the vine, you are the branches, and this whole vine, divine life that, that he is trying to explain to his disciples, and the need for dependency on, on him to actually be able to do anything of worth, and and he, and he, I love it. I, I love simple. I'm a simple-minded person. I like concise. I can't remember a big, long list, but I can remember one thing. Sometimes I can remember three things, but even Jesus brings it down to one. And he keeps saying, just 1334, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, so you also must love one another. Chapter 15, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 17, this is my command, <laughs> love each other. And again, back in 13, we're seeing the, all, all the... All the commandments of Scripture can be summed up in this one command uh, to love each other well. And then 35, thir back to 1335, it's just a super powerful verse. I've already kind of mentioned it once, but it says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The number one identifier of being a disciple of Christ is, is how we treat each other. And, and if you guys think to pray for the Kuyu team, may that be your number one prayer. May the Kuyu people know that we are his disciples by our love for one another as a team. We haven't gotten to the teaching. There's not, the church right now is us LeBlancs and Navals. So as they see us interact, they watch our marriages, watch our parenting, how do we make decisions, how do we handle conflict, all, that, all those inevitables, is that making them more and more eager to hear the teaching or is that making them less and less eager? Are we more and more identified as uh, children of God or are we perhaps less and less identified in that way? So pray that they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another would be, I think, our number one. I think LeBlancs and DeVals would echo that as well. May we uh, learn to love each other well. I love how Jesus simplified these things again into this one concise command. So, but then, okay, so kind of simple, kind of profound, kind of actually impossible um, to actually love another person according to God's super high grace-based standards. You know, it's not while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were, in a sense, actively opposing God, that's when he reached, that's when the gospel happened. It wasn't after we cleaned ourselves up a little bit. Hey, God, I'm a little bit lovable now. Now you can love me. It's like, no, while we were Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, it was while they were hiding in their shame, sinfulness, guilt. That's when God's actually pursuing after them. Hey, Adam and Eve, have you done the one thing I haven't asked, you know, asked you not to do? He pursues Cain that way. He pursues Nineveh with Jonah. He pursues Jonah with the fish. He pursues Saul on the way to Damascus. And you just see this heart of God, which I think is actually very much about missions, pursuing the lost sinner. You know, the parable of the 99. He cares about that one that's lost. Parable of the 10 coins. He cares about that one. Parable of the two lost sons. He cares about that lost son. Actually, yeah, I say two lost sons because the other one's kind of 
the, the more self-righteous lost son. He's still lost. He doesn't see it as much. Kind of a dangerous place to be. But the father leaves the party to go pursue the oldest son who's feeling like he never even gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. And you see this heart of God to, to, to reach out to the lost, but not forcing, like Cain. It ends poorly. You know, he, he doesn't respond well to God. And yet God's just kind of like keeps engaging with him, and he's turning his back and walks out of the presence of the Lord. A sad story there. So, so if it's an impossible command, then why is he giving it to us? <laughs> to love each other well, to um, consider the interests of others, to see them as more valuable than ourselves. These are, these are not natural. These are supernatural type things. These are new creation type things to actually do well. But honestly, we can just we can add that to a long list of, com- of impossible commands that God gives throughout all of Scripture. He's very fond of giving impossible commands to, to his believers through his church. He's like, hey, hey Gideon, <laughs> take 32,000 men and, uh, wait, no, 10, 300 men and go annihilate the Midianites, who are, their camels are as numerous as the sands of the seashore, right? And, and Gideon responds by faith, but it's very, very clear that God's the one that actually did that. But he still gave the command to Gideon. You know, hey, disciples, go feed the 5,000. They're hungry. It's interesting God gave that command to the disciples, and yet knowing full well that they didn't have the capacity or the resources to do it. So he's like, guys, just come to me, depend on me, look to me, the vine, abide in me, abide in my love, and I'll actually enable you to be able to do these impossible things like loving your neighbor, loving each other well, considering each other's interests in our marriages, with our kids. I I struggle the most with, I think, my words, critical words uh, that just kind of, you know, one moment I'm talking about missions and praising God, and then the next moment, like, ah, you know what, my kids or my wife, and, you know, that kind of, those critical words that can easily come out, and it's like, man, why do you reserve sometimes some of our worst for the people that we love the most, and it's, it's convicting, and it should be. Um, others, other examples of, I, I just, there's, we could spend a long time on this, but um, even uh, Charles Spurgeon says God's commands are his enabling. When he gives a command to do something, he actually gives kind of like a a double-barreled shotgun. It's like, boom, here's the command, boom, here's the ability to actually do the command. Like Peter, he's like, hey, I want to walk on the water too. And Jesus says one word, he says, come. But with that word, come, was the actual ability for uh, Peter to be able to walk on the water. So it's not just this empty, figure it out, Peter. (laughs) You know, I know how to walk on the water, hope you can figure it out. No, he actually gives him the ability to do it. Man with the withered hand. Stand up, in front of every, stand up in front of everybody, stretch forth your withered hand. And I'm sure that guy's thinking, like, Jesus, that is literally the one thing that I cannot do. <laughs> That's why I have a withered hand. And yet, and yet, he, I guess, by faith responds, and the power of God heals his hand. He gives the command and gives the ability to do that. So we can find, I think, great encouragement, even in something like this, to consider each other's interests or to love each other well. Uh, to find that God isn't just giving an empty command for us to do that. He's actually going to be able to, as we, and this is key, it's, it's, as we abide in him to be able to love others well. And it's not that we've loved him, it's that he first loved us. Because a lot of the commands are love as I have loved you. I expect you to forgive as I have forgiven you. You know, he's, he's already put the example and the, the ability to do so in, in his word. It's interesting to kind of as begin to see the word of God through that lens of it's not just a commit. It's, hey, go make disciples of all nations. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, and lo, I will be with you always. Hey, Moses, go to Pharaoh and deliver my people from Egypt. And Pharaoh and Moses are like quibbling and, ah, you know, all these excuses. And God just says, I will be with you, right? 
I'm not going to take the challenge out of your course. I'm not probably going to deliver you from your tribulation or difficulties or trials, but I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So God's presence, God's example, God's spirit, his provisions, he said he's given us uh, in First Peter, everything that pertains to life and godliness, like past tense, given to us. Uh, Ephesians, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. All these provisions that God uses to enable these impossible commands that he's given us because he wants us to look to him. And as we abide in the vine, focusing on the vine, fruit happens. You know, it says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Fruit bearing is important to God, but it's only as we abide in him. Because he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So what's our job? Again, keep it simple. Abide in him so that we actually have the ability to do the simple thing, which is to love others well and to consider the interests of others well. As Jesus says, all the commands are, are wrapped up into that one statement. So, all right. <clears throat> Wrap up here. Just want to read this. <laughs> Should have done the ear mic. Just, let's just uh, think about this together. Just want to read this last passage. We'll pray and uh, we'll be dismissed. Let's let the, the weightiness of these grand summations and heartfelt pleas sink in from Peter, Paul, Jesus, and John. We must linger on such statements and consider who they are coming from. We must allow the emphasis of Scripture to focus our thoughts and priorities. All good, eternal things must first be bathed, infused, and saturated in love. It is very evident that God really cares that his kids play well together. This is our priority or a main thing, and we must keep it as such in our walk with God. Even the most mature-sounding spiritual discipline is but a clanging cymbal or a resounding gong if it is not inhabited with humble, unified, selfless love. And this kind of supernatural love is only possible as we abide in the vine. If we see that the fruit of the Spirit is absent in our lives, we must stop and look to the vine. Lord, teach us to abide. Let's pray. God of the universe, we praise you for being a God who is capable, a God of infinite resources who doesn't need us and yet just all throughout scripture chooses to use us and to work in us and through us and transform us and it's a messy, inefficient process and yet that by your design seems to be how you, you've chosen to operate. Thanks for allowing us, the Ames family, the Valve, LeBlanc, Cross Point Church family, God, to be a part of making disciples of all nations, specifically amongst the Kuyu, God. Help us to be faithful, God, to love each other well in the process that you may be glorified and may the world around us, may Eureka, may Peoria know that Cross Point Church, that we are your disciples by our love for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. This is a great challenge today. Uh, one thing that he said that really stuck out to me was that idea of a double barrel shotgun. And it reminded me of, of something I've heard um, said. That God doesn't ask us to do or command us to do anything that he hasn't already enabled and empowered us to do. So. I hope as we go this week, we'll remember that. And as we hear this command to close, um, that we'll feel that, that empowering and enabling by his spirit. So to quote the verse that's been spoken already several times today, a new command I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By all this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So go in peace this week. Um, show your love for one another here in this church and, and in the community.